Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance. And sometimes that frontier is at a conference. Like last weekend, where over a thousand developers, founders, builders, and investors attended the Starkware sessions in Tel Aviv in order to participate in growing the StarkNet ecosystem. This is Bankless's Starkware session series, which are nine bite-sized episodes interviewing the founders, builders, and ecosystem developers of StarkNet. Every once in a while in the crypto world, a conference happens, but not everyone is available to attend. Don't worry. Bankless has your back because I go to basically every conference that's out on the frontier and I bring an entire podcast studio in tow with me in order to make sure that the Bankless Nation stays on the frontier of what's happening in crypto. In this interview, we are talking to Igno Yama, Omer from Igno Yama. Igno Yama is an interesting product where most things that we talk about on Bankless are on-chain. We're actually talking about hardware in this episode. ZK proofs are computationally intensive, especially for CPUs. So Igno Yama is working on building chips uh, which are, are just, you know, ASICs, uh, first FGPAs, and, and then ASICs later, to help speed up the prover set of ZK proofs. Uh, and so while ZK uh, proofs are computationally intensive, we still want the ability for anyone to run those proofs. Uh, and so the bull case for Ignayama is to put a bunch of ZK Prover chips in all of the hardware and devices that we use in this world. Uh, disclosure, Ryan and I are actual investors in to Ignoyama, so we have exposure to what Omer is building here. But the thesis is that self-sovereign ZK technologies are going to be so proliferated and we need ZK provers to be equally as democratized and accessible so that individuals can confirm their own ZK proofs. That the, the fact that ZK rollups and other ZK technology are valid when we have chips that are specialized for this, uh, we can extend this out to more and more people. It's highly aligned with the bankless philosophy. So that's why we are investors. I hope you enjoy this interview with Omer. But first, a moment to talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Kraken has been around for almost as long as crypto itself. As crazy as crypto is, Kraken has remained a rock for its clients, building out a platform designed to stand the test of time. Kraken is all about proof, not promises, which is why they've pioneered a proof of reserves, a system that lets Kraken's customers verify for themselves the solvency and responsibility of the Kraken Exchange. And for this reason and many more, we've chosen Kraken as Bankless's strategic sponsor for 2023. And once you're done using Kraken to get your dirty fiat money into pristine crypto assets, perhaps you should check out Arbitrum, where so much of the frontier of crypto innovation is taking place. Arbitrum just announced their Stylus initiative, which is their brand new programming environment that lets developers deploy apps using their favorite programming languages like Rust, C, C++, alongside regular old Solidity EVM apps. That's can use any coding language they like, and it simultaneously drops layer two fees by an order of magnitude. It's a big deal. So many of your favorite DeFi apps have already deployed to Arbitrum, like Uniswap. But did you know that Uniswap isn't just for ERC-20 tokens anymore? Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator too, to make sure that you are getting the best price on your NFT purchases. Uniswap gives NFT collectors and traders powerful tools, all from the cozy, comfy Uniswap interface. By the way, it's also got a native fiat on-ramp, it's also deployed on like every layer two, and it's got this nifty cool thing called a universal router that ensures that you always get the best price on your trades. Crypto protocols like Arbitrum and Uniswap are becoming super powerful. So make sure that you're also using a wallet that's equally as powerful or else you'll be missing out. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet experience, check out Phantom, the number one wallet of Solana, which has recently come to both Ethereum and Polygon. Phantom has native NFT support, giving you your own NFT gallery from inside the wallet. Phantom is both a browser extension and a mobile wallet and is also the only wallet to span both the Solana and Ethereum ecosystems. Check it out at phantom.app. And now let's get into the interview. 
Bankless Nation, once again, we are here at the Starkware Sessions in Tel Aviv, and I'm here with Omer of Ingoyama. And Ingoyama is doing something quite interesting that you might uh, not be familiar with. Uh, Omer, can you kind of walk us through why we need Ingoyama? So, like every successful technology in history, um, we can say that there are three pillars to this technology. We have the software, the algorithms, and the hardware. So, zero knowledge, which is um, a core technology in our space, it's basically um, a cornerstone for uh, trustless computing, which is uh, what we need for decentralization. It's, such, it's just such a, uh, a technology and we want to make it successful. We want to make it mainstream. We want to make it at the hands of everybody. So out of these three pillars, basically what we do is we are taking care of the hardware. And so this is the hardware, as in uh, once upon a time, bank, the bank station will know I got into the world of Ethereum through GPU mining. There's also the world of ASICs proof of work. How does, and this is the same sort of subject matter, but as it relates to zero knowledge computation, how, does this, how is this world uh, similar to the proof of work industry and how is it also different? Right, so uh, dynamics uh, can be very, uh, there are similarities, but I think one step before we need to understand what exactly is uh, the connection or what do we need hardware for zero knowledge. And specifically, you know, zero knowledge, uh, it's been around like decades in academia and only recently over the last few years, it's doing the transition into, um, into industry. And uh, we chose in the space with uh, represented, represented by many companies, what we chose is to focus on very specific type of zero knowledge provers. Uh, you might have heard about Snarks, Starks, and companies such as zero knowledge rollups, right? And basically, they have some very interesting properties, this type of zero knowledge systems. Uh, one of them is that the proof is very small. Um, and the other thing is that it's publicly verifiable, okay? So before we even go into explaining what zero knowledge is and why do we need it, uh, just in terms of like the analogy here, to proof of work, what we see is that there is kind of like a trade-off because we gain all of these like very nice properties, but we need to pay somewhere. And where we need to pay is by computing this proof. So it roughly it takes seven orders of magnitude more than the computation itself to actually compute the proof. Once you have the proof, you have a lot of power, right? But to get to this point, you need to spend a lot of money and compute power. This is where hardware can, um, uh, can make a big difference. You know, it's still going to be seven orders of magnitude, more computation, but uh, the effect that you, or what you'll feel in terms of um, uh, the cost and, uh, and, and the time that it takes you, we aim to make it as, uh, as simple as possible, obviously, but also as close as possible to the user experience and developer experience that we have by just running the computation. Now, what it means is that, uh, you know, as I said, trustless computing and zero knowledge can, uh, can mean many things. There are definitely few applications that we see today that are touching or try to replace exactly uh, the old mechanism of proof of work by something that's based on zero knowledge. There are huge advantages of doing so, but this is far from being the only use case. So I think that right now we are talking about level that is way uh, lower, somewhat lower than uh, the actual proof of work uh, type of uh, or mining that we had in the space, but it's definitely involved. It has some kind of uh, relations to it. For example, you can build something similar to a proof of work mechanism based on zero knowledge. Of course, with many benefits that I, I can go over. So it's been part of the trajectory of much of Ethereum to actually get rid of 
hardware. Like we want to do proof of state because we don't have we don't want to have proof of work miners. But there's a dynamic here about zero knowledge computations, which also is part of the broad Ethereum roadmap where we want like ZK rollups with zero knowledge proofs and other reasons to apply zero knowledge technology to what we're doing here. Which means that are we committing to some sort of hardware layer to the Ethereum future? because of just the, the commitment to zero knowledge? Yeah, so that, that's a good question. And I think that um, to understand it or, or to answer it first, I do need to explain why ZK zero knowledge is useful in the context of Ethereum. So let me just take two like big ideas. One is scaling, the other is privacy. Now in scaling, what zero knowledge basically is doing is kind of compressing, right? I mean, it, it just like trying to simplify it a bit. We try to compress many uh, transactions that uh, we just don't have enough room to put them on chain. Mm -hmm. So we put only the proof and it's verifiable computation. Everything should be fine. In a way, we are saving a lot of money by doing so, right? Um, the end goal is to have to have it in, in a full decentralized manner, right? We, you don't want people to actually, or to create this kind of, um, um, market around uh, or this kind of dynamics where you actually need uh, or it's open only for certain type of, of actors. You want to enable anybody to obviously verify a proof. This is like definitely uh, super cheap and, and efficient. As I said, these the properties of these like snark stocks that we chose. But you also want the proving uh, and computing the proof to be done basically by anyone on, on even commodity hardware uh, or close to it, such as GPUs. So this is just, when it comes to scaling, I don't think that we are committing in a way to um, to a future where we actually need to pay more mm -hmm. or to um, consume much more electricity. I think it would save us much more than, um, uh, than in, in terms of, uh, when, when you try to compare it to, uh, to, to what we know until now. Privacy, this is this is you know this is like an application. This is like another thing that we can gain that um, was not accessible to us before. Privacy at scale, privacy on chain, privacy as a layer two. Uh, I think it's it's kind of an application that zero knowledge is bringing. And of course, you need to consider the cost of such an application. Uh, personally, I think it's 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 a rightful cause and uh, would pay for you know. Uh, a future that is, is, is really great and it's worth to kind of put some effort into it in terms of computation. Long-term thinking, again, this hardware is going to be in your, I don't know, your iPhone, so part of the chip would run ZK. It would be seamless, right? Uh, it would be very efficient and so on. So again, I don't think it's going to go into committing to uh, where we were going for, where we were coming from and, and uh, you know, ruining this proof-of-work to proof-of-stake um, transition. So um, the idea that, that I have for the, the future of Ethereum, and actually even baked into the Ethereum roadmap, is to ZK the whole entire blockchain. But then there's like applications that can use ZK tough, and there's other layer twos that can use ZK stuff. All of this, all, anytime a zero knowledge is executed upon, that's a computation that needs to be run. Where are we today? Like, how is that computation being done today? And in, with the, the future that you have in mind, how will it be done in the future? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's true. ZK um, is very powerful and it can find uh, use cases in many places. And obviously, all of layer two ZK rollups, and I think also at some point, um, optimistic, optimistic rollups would, um, would start using this technology to some extent. 
so we are talking, if you try to sketch like a graph of the number of proofs per unit of time, so what I think we'd see is that now it's growing and it's keep growing, uh, which is which is very interesting. And, and at some point, you know, it will consume kind of a lot of, a lot of electricity. As you said, any application that is building, being built on top of a roll-up eventually would require to um, verify it on chain, and it means another proof that needs to run. Not only that, you want, you know, for um, uh, you want to often to run the same proof more than once, so that in case something happens to one of the prover, you have like a backup, right? Um, so it can it can scale definitely. There are other type of um, uh, ideas that are counter to that scaling, which are, for example, recurrent uh, kind of packing more than one proof. Uh, together. So because basically you are proving a computation, you can also prove another another proof, right? So you can just stack them up in some kind of a recur recursive manner. And this kind of saves you a lot of the trouble. This is a lot of what we see today in ZK rollups, um, how they moved, like Starkware, for example, moved into uh, uh, using recursion, which allows you not only to stack proofs one onto another and eventually end up just with one proof, it also makes these proofs way smaller, right? Because you can just like aggregate them together. And so this is kind of counter trend to the growing need in, um, in proofs, right? What will happen is that with the introduction of hardware, getting these proofs gonna be the, 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 the threshold or the barrier to get this like very complex proof uh, and computation will just get lower and lower. And usually, just like with other inventions, what it means is that there would be more and more use cases using these proofs. So I think that overall, uh, we're just seeing increase in the number of proofs, but definitely it would be uh, contained. It would be contained at the hardware level, it would be contained in the algorithmic level in a way that would be manageable. And for us as a community, it would uh, eventually be a net positive. So to use a metaphor, would you say it's fair to say that uh, Ingoyama is trying to build the engines to run zero-knowledge computation? Like you're building the combustion engine for zero-knowledge. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, we are building computers. Like, you know, you can look at the uh, traditional computer architecture and something is missing. I mean, something that like, you know, a finite field arithmetic, some discrete math, like the, the stuff that, that are, are the fundamental in the computer uh, architecture is, is not really accelerated. It's not used in, in AI, network storage acceleration, but it is needed in cryptography, even not just zero knowledge, fully homomorphic encryption, um, and, and even, you know, lattices and such, like basic the, the basics of, of post-quantum cryptography. Everything is built on the same math. We are just trying to bring uh, a modern type of computer architecture that will support natively this type of um, uh, computations. So is the idea that uh, what you just said that uh, we have this new thing in this world called zero-knowledge proofs. They're computationally intensive. Mm -hmm. um, is the future state of the world one where there is a new component, a new hardware component in perhaps every single device out there, my phone, my computer, my laptop, that is specialized to run a zero-knowledge proof? Is that, is that kind of the future that we're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and, and uh, we also can, can tell, you know, it's going to start from more of the server side, like the data centers. This is where it's easier to kind of take a whole new computer architecture and just like uh, push it and then get some, uh, uh, get some optimizations in, in running ZK uh, provers. But, uh, and, you know, phones, they are like very, the phone factor very small. It's going to be very hard. Right. But let's say decentralized identity, right? This is something that we know um, several like phone uh, vendors, manufacturers are looking very deeply into. 
So this will require some of these functions, like some IP calls that are relevant to the broader like Zeki computation, but they can also fit inside like chips that are being manufactured by others. Um, also, you know, when it comes to privacy, eventually you need it in your hand. You need, right. you need full control. So that's definitely going to be like in every one of our hands, in phones and so on, yeah. Yeah, so I know uh, one of the big conversations that's going out here at the Starkware sessions is um, account abstraction and how account abstraction uses the secure enclave of a phone to store data, to unlock you know, assurances about a private key. And so there's already the conversation happening about how does our physical hardware impact the technology that we have in the virtual space, right? Like, right. even though we all love to be in the metaverse, the physical nature of our hardware is still very, very important. And so maybe um, another to use another metaphor is like we have this secure enclave to store our private keys, and that's a physical component of our devices that help us do our crypto things. And then what you're uh, perhaps envisioning is that there's also going to be another additional part of a hardware that is meant to, to do zero knowledge computation to allow for zero knowledge computation to be done by the individual on their device. Is that, is that all line up with you? Yeah, I think I think it does. Uh, like when I look at the future. In a world where ZK is cheap, I mean, there's no reason why you cannot just verify any computation you do. I mean, the entire, everything you want on the phone, including communication with secure enclave and so on, can be verifiable, right? You can also output a proof that the computation was done correctly. It's even more important once you outsource the computation to someone else, uh, I don't know, to the cloud. Everything can be uh, verifiable and it should, right? Um, so I think, yeah, I think we are talking here about kind of uh, a new modern type of architecture that will also include a component that is specialized for this type of cryptography. Yeah, and, and if we don't have this kind of research and this kind of like R&D effort that, you, that you're, you're doing, then we probably ultimately outsource that proof generation to a third party, which is not exactly what we're going for in this world of self-sovereign like technology. Is that, is that a fair assumption? It is. I mean, there's a, an ongoing research on how you can actually separate the compute-intensive part from the privacy-preserving uh, part of the computation. It's not easy. There are a few ideas, uh, and, and it's you know right now it seems very far away. So I think definitely uh, a way to go is to try and get everything done on the hardware locally, and it's a future. It will take a lot of time, but we'll get there. Meanwhile, there are many use cases and applications that can still run. Uh, only on data centers uh, by miners and you know uh, some people and, and corporates that have access to this like um, to this like specialized hardware. That's that's for sure. But yeah, we are going into the um, this like future where there's uh, ASICs that are like different chips that can be used in any type of um, computing device and can bring you this uh, uh, technology to the level that again user experience is going to be completely seamless. You won't feel that you are computing a proof. So maybe uh, we can really judge about how trustless and self-sovereign the world is with how many, how far your chips have proliferated across the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's one way to look at it. Um, again, remember that right now, even the, the roll-ups, the ZK roll-ups, mm -hmm. all of them are um, more or less centralized. Sure. Um, so there's still a uh, far way to go. We still need to, uh, uh, and, and you know, we are a hardware place, so we are long-term thinkers. This is how we are building the company. Um, yeah, I mean, at some point, I do hope that uh, many of us would have this uh, freedom of just, you know, verifiable and private type of privacy-preserving computation, verifiable computation. It will take time until it right. will get basically 
to be democratized and be by the hands of anybody, yeah. So the, the topic of hardware is not one that we've actually talked a lot about on Bankless, and so this is probably striking the imaginations of uh, a set of Bankless listeners that doesn't previously get a bunch of attention. Uh, Walk us through the roadmap for like how a chip actually gets produced and what, what is the roadmap for, for Ignayama? Right. Um, so the first thing to understand about us is that we're not religious about hardware, meaning that, you know, uh, there are a few types of specialized hardware with differences. I can name a few FPGAs, GPUs, um, and, and of course ASICs, like these like specialized chips. For us, it's about finding where is the pain, and then solving it. And when I say solve it, it's about uh, catering for, for the little guy. Again, we want to make the user experience seamless. Uh, that's the goal, that's the ideal. And what it means is that uh, right now, in terms of roadmap, we are doing a lot of R&D internally uh, to kind of build our um, uh, hardware and, and our IP to run everything. What we want to do is basically run everything inside of this like specialized hardware. And then we try to feed the right solution to, um, to the right problem, right? So uh, you can think about, let, let's take Starkware, right? We are in, in, in a Starkware event. Let's take Starkware, for example. So for Starkware right now, the prover is centralized. Uh, it's one problem. It's not the most important problem they have. They have also a problem with witness generation, with sequencer. They pay much more on getting uh, the transaction on chain for fees, then they pay on running the prover. So when I, we're talking with Starkware and we want to develop hardware, what we basically try to do at this point is just to move the bottleneck from the prover to somewhere else in the system. Okay. Now at some point, these other places in the system would also have this, their bottleneck removed. The only bottleneck that I predict will remain would be the hardware for ZK provers and maybe you know a bit beyond. But um, right now it's just about being efficient enough and cost-effective enough to move this bottleneck someplace else in the system. That's one example. Obviously, we have projects where we want to optimize on the throughput, right? We want to run as many proofs at the same time, and we less care, and we don't really care about the cost, let's say. There are other projects where we care just about the form factor. We have a project, by the way, for, uh, um, for Filecoin, where it's mostly about just replacing GPUs with FPGAs that are tiny, right? It's like small, it fits a data center. So it really depends. Overall, our vision is, and I think this is the long-term solution, is to have these dedicated chips. And to go to this place, we need a lot of, uh, we first need to come up with an architecture, something very similar to a GPU, if you try to think about it, like many, many cores that run in parallel, but are suitable to the type of computation that uh, you can see in zero knowledge. And once we have this figured out, remember that ZK, and this is probably a question many ask, is it's a, it's a fast-moving uh, space, right? Everything is kind of changing. How do we de-risk it when we build something that is meant to last for um, many years to come? And one way that we try to do it is by basically um, building it in a programmable way. That's one thing. And the other thing is to battle test it all the time, right? So every time there's a new ZK protocol primitive coming out from academia even, we try to kind of re-team it and see if we can support it and to what extent. And then we fine tune our design. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to go to a tape out, which is, to your question, kind of the no return point where you kind of say, okay, this goes and when it gets back, it's in silicon, then it goes into, I don't know, miners and whoever needs it. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to go to this, uh, to tape out uh, soon, meaning when I'm saying soon, it still mean like, you know, can be in a couple of years. Um, and it's really going to depend on how this market is going to evolve. We first want to target roll-ups, ZK roll-ups, and therefore we are very much dependent 
on their decentralization efforts, and we try our best also to to help with what we can. Omer, uh, if somebody is interested by what you are doing, what you've talked about here today, uh, how can they join? How can they help? What? Who do you need help from? Or how can people get involved? Um, right. So at this point, we do mostly R&D. Um, my team, uh, they are a bunch of very talented uh, cryptographers, mathematicians, and hardware guys, like chip designers, uh, architects, uh, and so on. We are trying to build... Um, an ecosystem in software. What we're going to do soon is going to open source much of what we do. Hardware is traditionally a very closed source type of environment. This is not good for our space. We try to break this narrative. We try to go and be and walk in the open, be transparent, and also put some code and IP out there for people to use and play. Feedback is critical from developers mostly that are going to build on ZK. Any type of application, everything is, is applicable. Um, you can find us in Twitter, Ingo, um, uh, ZK. We have a website we launched not long ago in Gonyama.com. Uh, we have a GitHub all, with all of our stuff open. We have a Discord that soon we're going to uh, uh, launch it officially. Right now, if you are uh, working on some technical problem and want to join the Discord, meet the team. This is a very good place. Reach out to me and I'll be able to connect you with, uh, with the team. Omar, thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers.